Hey everybody, welcome to Studio HFL. I'm your host, Larry Powell, and thanks again for joining me for another interview with another terrific guest. Today's guest is Claire Husselby, and this is HFL 117. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. If you haven't yet subscribed to that channel, I'd encourage you to do that and share that with your friends. While you're at it, I'd encourage you to also visit Apple Podcast, leave a star rating and a review, and you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. If you'd like to get the newsletter, you can go to StudioHFL.com and subscribe there. And you can get uh, weekly news and updates on guests and releases and other information. And of course, if you go to StudioHFL.com, you can also go to the merchandise page and check out the uh, really cool t-shirts there. And don't just check them out. Actually, buy some. That'd be great. Uh, let's see. Patreon. Oh, yeah. Here's a huge shout-out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me to continue working to deliver the best possible end product, and for that, I am extremely grateful. If you would like to be a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com slash studiohfl. There you're going to find four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my show sponsors. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Murin, and the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and excellent customer service. Find out more at pickettblackburn.com. Messina covers. You know, brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina covers is your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. And of course, you can check them out at messinacovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. And of course, I'm talking about Carl Hammond and Hammond Design. Carl provides a complete line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. Everything is better in HD, and of course, you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen designed their beginner trumpet model. I've played this trumpet. It is spectacular. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available, but custom orders are where Shires have made their mark. Myself, as both an Eastman and a Shires artist, I can attest to the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. Find out more at seshires.com. And now, on to my interview with Claire. How are you, young lady? I am not too bad, thank you. It's been a while. Yeah, I was just thinking, looking back at the calendar, it was 2016. Yeah, almost four. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. It's just like, how in the world could time go that quickly, right? 
Yeah, it, ha it kind of feels slow at the time, but then you look back and it's, it feels like a blink of an eye, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like, did I do anything? <laughs> you know, what have I accomplished in that amount of time, right? It's, yeah. yeah, although uh, I think we've both done quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I think it feels like it, but then sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but then you look yeah. and you think, oh yeah, I, I did that and I did that and I did that. But um, yeah. <laughs> so what have you been doing for the last four and a half years? Uh, let's see. So I left in October 2016 and I thought, yeah, I'll go to France for two months. So I did that just because I wanted to try and get my fluency back. And then I came back to, and I was thinking, oh, you know, what am I going to do now? I've left ships. And I was toying with a few ideas. And then I studied for the CELTA, which is to teach English as a foreign language. And at the same time, I studied for the Delft B2 exam, which is an international recognized French language exam. And my plan was that I was going to study from, it would have been September 2018 or 2017. I can't remember which now, but I was going to study music therapy in Montpellier. Brilliant. Loved it. Great course. And then I found out that the... I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's the governing body of kind of clinical therapists in the UK, the HCPC. They said, well, if you study abroad, we can't guarantee that we will approve your qualification when you want to work back in the UK. They said, well, you know, it could be a six to six months to a year process to get approved anyway. And we can't guarantee we would approve it. So in the end, I thought, yeah, a little bit of a risk. I'm not going to do that. The whole reason for studying in France was because it was, it was going to be a lot less expensive than studying in the UK. To study in the UK for a master's in music therapy, it would have been £10,000 tuition fee, pretty much. And get a master's loan to cover that, fine. But then, as a requirement for all the courses, you have to undergo your own therapy throughout the course. And that could have added on an extra £6,000. So that, yeah, I couldn't have afforded that. Um, so in the end, I went back into a second secondary classroom, September 2017, full-time, uh, as a music teacher. Because um, I thought, well, get the salary. So this is a really long, boring story. Please stop. That's good. If I have a teaching salary, I'm going to be able to get a mortgage so I can get my own place. Brilliant. So I did that. Sorry, if you, you might be able to hear my cat scratching about. I wondered what that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll stop it a bit. Um, it'll probably come in and jump across the camera. So I got my mortgage, but then the flat took ages to go through it. Anyway. Uh, I was then signed off work because it was a shitty school and I thought I just can't deal with this anymore. So it got to the point where I was crying every morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and so I left there and also they wouldn't let me do my own professional development. I wanted, at the time, I wanted a day off a month and he wouldn't grant that, the head wouldn't grant that. So I thought, right, stuff you, I'm leaving. And I ended up doing the course I'm doing now. So it's just as well I left. Because if I hadn't have done, I wouldn't be able to study at the Royal College of Music doing their performance science course. So it all, you know, all's well that ends well. So in the meantime, I'm supply teaching, which is fine. I like the freedom, but 
it's financially so insecure i can't cope like you know living like this because i don't know what i'm getting week to week so i don't know if i can afford my bills i've had you know in terms of covid support i've had the maximum amount mortgage holiday i can take so i can't get out of paying my mortgage anymore and there's no other support for me so yeah i'm look i'm now and doing bits of supply teaching i'm also job hunting so yeah there is that so the business has taken a bit of a backseat while i apply for different jobs and supply well well i want to get to that in a minute because that's kind of <laughs> what i wanted to talk about today right is this this exactly. um, focus no no but i i wanted to know i wanted to know where you know what you've been doing i mean you haven't just been twiddling your thumbs for four years right i mean you've been busy mm -hmm. working on on all kinds of stuff um yeah what you about yourself I'm just going to turn my phone on to do not disturb so it doesn't keep buzzing. Well, How have the last four and a half years treated you? Good and really, really strange. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask, like, are you, are you uh, quarantining? Are people doing what they should do in England? Because here in the States, nobody wants to pay attention to this. But Yeah, I mean, I think I personally, I don't need to quarantine at the moment, but I think a lot of people are, but then you still hear reports on the news of police had to go and I mean, we're in a month lockdown at the moment, so pubs aren't That's open. Right. Um, and we've just been in that, I think since last Thursday. But the weekend before, there were reports of pubs having to have the police round because they'd hosted an event and there were a hundred people there. So even before this current lockdown, there was still, socially social distance rules and people weren't following it and there were reports of venues hosting christenings and wedding parties and you know it's difficult i understand the need to get the money in but they shot themselves in the foot by being shut down early by not following the rules and you get you do get people on on public transport as well you're supposed to wear masks on public transport and if i was getting the bus into town like over the summer You'd see someone come on with a mask um, over the nose and mouth, you know, pay the bus driver, go and sit down and take the mask off. So what's the point? What part of, what part of the rules don't you understand? Why doesn't it apply to you? So I think, I think there is a bit of a mix. A lot of people, I think, are fed up but understand why the rules are there. And yes, reluctant, not reluctantly, but... You know they follow them because they see the bigger picture but then i think there's a group of people who either don't think the rules apply to them or think it's never going to happen to them um, but then they don't see that they're putting other people at risk but then there's also you know i heard i was walking in the park at the weekend and i heard a couple of guys talking about all these conspiracy theories of X, Y, and Z, and I just thought, yeah, you've got that group of people as well that aren't going to follow the rules because they believe it's, you know, well, apart from conspiracy theories, an infringement on their personal liberty and all of this. And yeah, yeah, it's it's tricky. Certainly, my family and friends are following the rules, but yeah. you know, there are a lot of people I think that aren't. Yeah. Um, so before I answer your question yet again, when you said conspiracy, one of my favorite times with you and Ben, and there were a couple others from the band. Do you remember the time we went to the restaurant and 
but it wasn't because of that. It was, well, yeah, yeah. But the reason we got so loud is because your, your Titanic story, right? And I, I still, I relive that. And I think that was, that was, it was one of the most fun times I had had. And everybody was jumping on top of you saying, oh no, I couldn't do this. And I was trying to say, be quiet, let her talk, let her talk. Cause I was fascinated by what, what you were saying, right? And yeah, we got carried away. So what? You know, we were having a yeah. great time. But anyways, <laughs> it oh, was. Sorry. Uh, um, so yeah. what have I been doing? Uh, you know, I got back um, really focused on playing. You know, I still had my teaching gig during, and mm -hmm. I still am teaching, but I'm teaching online right now, which I hate. And my, my students don't deserve, no student deserves to do it this way. But, but at least it's something. No. Exactly. And I guess there's the financial security of that. Yeah. And which that's is a big and, thing. Yeah. So again, it's better than nothing. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I put together and hosted three trumpet conferences. Wow. And that's kind of how all of this came about because yeah. you know, as I got to know people and it just hit me one day, you know, in a very uh, in a nutshell kind of story, it hit me one day that I think I'd like to interview people and find out because everybody has a story, right? And I, Absolutely. and you know me, I, I love to talk, right? So, <laughs> but I also love to listen and I've had absolutely a blast. I think I'm up in the 130s now, as far as interviews go. Yeah. But what intrigued me about you was, of course, I don't even know what to, what to classify it. It's not necessarily music therapy. You were like, no. It's definitely uh, it, it was like a, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. You tell me what it's called. Um, I guess you could say in a nutshell, I'm a life coach for musicians. Thank you. That's, I, that's what I was drawing a blank on. Life coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can work on, it could be anything from mindset in, with regards to, you know, the job itself, whether it's performance anxiety or making practice more efficient or on the flip side it could be anything to do with you know general concerns life concerns things that are getting in the way of you doing your job properly but aren't necessarily related to performance itself why on earth would musicians have problems with stuff like this <laughs> yeah yeah you know i'm saying that sarcastically but you You've probably gone through all of this yourself, right? I mean, isn't that really kind of how we, we head in directions like this? It's like... Absolutely. I, I, uh, so is that, is that what happened? Is you're like, you know what? I think I can help people manage the things that I've had struggles with, or I, I don't know, yeah. am, I, am I on track with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I initially found out about coaching probably... Oh, a good few years before I started doing ships, to be honest. And, you know, I was going through a tough time at work and personally, and I ended up through occupational health and being assigned a life coach. And I had however many number of sessions with her. And it was the most transformative experience I can say I've had. Honestly, it was fantastic. And I was having counseling at the same time. And the counseling just wasn't working for me, um, but the coaching did. And I think it's because it is, it is future focused. It is solution focused. And it was getting me, as well as understanding 
I suppose, not why I was in that position, but understanding my thoughts around the position I was in, it enabled me to then see a way forward. You know, that, I mean, there's, there's room for both modalities and they're both equally valid, but they're, they're useful at different times. And I think at that time, the coaching was a lot more useful for me. And so I thought then, oh, yeah, I really quite fancy doing this because I'd always been interested in psychology, but I'd never really had the opportunity to pursue it in any formal way of studying it. So I put it on the back burner in my mind and did other things like ships and met lots of people like yourself and then left ships and came back to it. And as you know, from our conversations, when we were talking about it, I'd already had the idea that I wanted to train as a coach and I knew the provider, the training provider I wanted. And so I, I left ships and decided to take the leap and train to be a coach. And at the time, I didn't really have any notion that I wanted to work with musicians specifically. But I think through the training, um, it became clear that with my experience as a musician, it just made sense. Because growing up, I certainly had a lot of performance anxiety through going to college I ended up dealing with it and you know it did go away but not through coaching but I thought you know this it came back then it the performance anxiety came back then through improvising on ships and I thought damn you know I've got dealt with this but you know it comes back again in just in a new way um and then I think it was through not being able to set effective goals for myself because I didn't have the formal instruction anymore of a teacher. You know, I didn't really know what goals to set from improvising. Mm. I knew where I was. I knew what my current reality was, but I didn't know how to get to where I wanted to be. And it's still a, a, work, in a work in progress, but I obviously didn't have that feedback either on what I was doing yeah. to know how to improve. And I thought, you know, I can't be the only musician that's thinking about how we practice <laughs> and how to make practice more efficient and how to set effective goals and what success looks like and then how you deal with rejection. I thought I can't be the only one dealing or thinking about this. So I thought there's the scope there for, you know, me to, for me to potentially help other musicians that might be thinking the same things. When did you take the first leap and, and actually talk to someone, offer, uh, uh, I won't say advice, but, you know, coaching? What, what was your first experience like with that? With me offering coaching or me having coaching, sorry? No, with you being the coach. Oh, I loved it. And I think it's because it, it came from a place of wanting, just wanting to help someone. And if I could help give clarity, I think that's the thing. I liked the, I liked being able to provide clarity and facilitate somebody else coming to their, their own conclusion about what that clarity looked like, because coaching is not advice giving, you know, it's asking, it's listening a lot of, as you know, we were talking about before, it's, it's not so much speaking, it's about listening to what the the client the musician whoever you're working with listening to what they're telling you and sometimes it might be reading between the lines for what's not said but through asking then relevant and pertinent questions you then 
facilitate their own insights and you know they can come to the conclusions themselves and you see that little the switch you know being flicked or the light bulb go off when they depending on what question you ask you know they come they draw their own conclusions and sometimes have quite deep realizations that they've not come to before I think it's I think one of the other ways I describe coaching is it's it's going you know, I don't want to use a cliche, but, you know, imagine going on a journey, you want to get from point A to point B, but a coach can enable you to do that and facilitate that journey quicker than if you were doing it on your own. I'm, I'm just thinking, uh, sorry, I, my mind is just went, it went three different directions <laughs> because, because I went, okay, I'll, I'll go back to the first thing I was going to say is mm -hmm. I understand how you're drawn to this because you and I had many conversations. And again, one of the reasons I enjoy them so much is you are a great listener, but I, but I also, and, and that made it even more enjoyable for me to sit and because I thought we had great exchanges, you know, it wasn't this just surface getting to the surface stuff and, you know, blah, 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 the daily grind of this, that, and the other. And maybe there was some of that, which is okay, but that's what I can see where this is something that suits you really well because you have this already this innate ability to connect by listening right and it's even i would even not compare it in terms of coaching but even thinking about interviews there are some people who are like ah, i've got nothing to say but as soon as you ask the right question you can't shut them up right it's just exactly. they open up and and the floodgates open and they just they go exactly. so are you able to maintain object how are you able to maintain objectivity when you're working with somebody I mean, to, to not become either emotionally invested or, or, right, isn't there kind of a boundary that you need to, to maintain with somebody you're working with? Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I haven't coached friends that are musicians, um, but I think the awareness that the, that boundary needs to be in place, even if I were to coach people that I knew, I don't think it would be an issue for me because I think you know, I've got the ability to wear those different hats. I can have a conversation with you or anybody else as a friend, but if I was asked to coach you or somebody else, then, you know, I put that hat on and it's a different, um, it's a different, I was going to say skill set. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a different mindset that you bring to that conversation. And um, a conversation between friends is going to be very different than a conversation between coach and clients. And if I were to coach somebody that I knew, I would obviously put that boundary in place so that they're aware that I'm there to serve them as a coach and listen to them as a coach, not listen to them as a friend. It is a, a different conversation, but I think it's, you know, um, something that can be done, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. if I was working with somebody I, I didn't know, I think I, would, I wouldn't get in emotionally involved with that because I wouldn't have that, that same relationship with them. Yeah. I, well, sorry, I was just going to no. say as well, just thinking out loud. I think there's the danger for emotional, connect, uh, emotional attachments if you buy into the client's story and if you collude with them, but as a trained professional, you don't do that. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I'm, I'm still trying to think which direction to go on this, but uh, there's not necessarily prescribed, okay, to get you from point A to point B, we're going to need three sessions, right? It's, it, it, it's not that simple, right? It's not like taking a course and you have a beginning, a midterm, and a final, and you're done, and you get your certificate, and off you go. No, no, exactly. It's not, it isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. And yes, you can, you can sort of do packages of you know, three sessions, six sessions, 12 sessions, whatever it might be. And they might be enough for some people. They might not be enough for others. Um, it might be, say, the three sessions, you know, just to pick a number, might be enough for someone to give them that head start. And then they want to go off and, you know, work and continue on their own for a bit and then maybe come back. Some think that, you know, those first few sessions or half a dozen sessions, whatever it might be, is enough. And then that sets them off and they feel that they don't need to come back. But there isn't, there isn't a, a set number of sessions that, you know, you can't, you can't do it as a buy off the shelf package. I mean, there are, you can do online courses and you can do group coaching calls, but if it's an individualized process, it is exactly that. You're working with a, a client who's an individual and everybody comes with their own set of beliefs about themselves, about their situation. And sometimes people that are very self-aware anyway, they might work through those beliefs quite quickly. Some people that... Um, maybe haven't done as much work already they might find it a little bit harder yeah it's really difficult to put a number of sessions onto it um but it's not intended to be like a, a forever thing some people you know they can have say therapy you hear of people having therapy for years well firstly coaching's not therapy anyway it's very much a solution focused thing and the idea is that it's not forever it's not like having your weekly music lesson or or something like that it is only intended to be um an intermediary thing mm -hmm. <laughs> how i want to finish that sentence but mm -hmm. yeah it's you, you know, you want to have your client, you want to help them, and then you want to see them move on from that. It's not like you have a client and you want to keep that client forever and ever and ever. You do want them to move on and you do want them to flourish. And it might be that they come back at some point, either to work through those things at a deeper level or because something else has come up that they want to work through, whatever that might be. But the idea is that you do want to work with someone, but then let them go. You know, if, if I know that uh, I am not a great uh, baseball player or cricket, we'll use cricket. Okay. Uh, but I'm thinking I'm talking to, to an, some a Brit, right? I mean, it's uh, cricket. Okay. And, I'm not the sportiest uh, person in the world, but yeah, we'll go with the, okay. the cricket analogy. <laughs> uh, okay. So whatever sport, you know, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I know that I'm not skilled in this. So I'm going to mm -hmm. seek out a coach, right? Mm -hmm. I'm aware that I'm deficient in a certain skill. I'm going to go seek out somebody who can help me with that. Now, I may not know I'm deficient in certain life skills, right? Like you're talking about the reason mm -hmm. that I would come to someone like you, I might not know that there's a deficiency that exists, right? I just mm -hmm. know that there's something wrong. There's something missing. I can't figure out what that is. How do I find my way, first of all, to recognize that I, that I truly need help or that 
it needs to be help from someone who is, is uh, trained like yourself. I think, well, from conversations that I've had with other musicians, because you bring up a, a valid point. I mean, if you've not done work like this before, how do you know, A, that it's available, that it exists, and B, you know, where, how do you know that you need that kind of help or that that's, you know, an option for you? Conversations I've had with other musicians where I've thought, hmm, maybe there's something deeper here that could be worked on is when musicians have said, oh, I've got another mouthpiece. I wasn't happy with my sound, so I've bought this extra bit of kits. But after six months or a year, they're not happy again, so they buy another bit of kit and things like that. Or another classic is they're not happy with whatever element of their playing, so they go to see a teacher and they have some lessons. But then, you know, a few months, year down the line, they're not happy again and that, that teacher didn't sort it out, so they go and find another teacher. And I think it's this constant search for something different, something different that is going to fix, in inverted commas, whatever problem they perceive they, they have. That can be one indicator. Uh, another indicator is something can just feel off, but you don't know what it is. You know, you just feel that something's off, but you can't pinpoint a particular area of technique, for example. Or it could be like we talked about before, maybe for some reason, performance anxiety has come up for you again. That's not something that a teacher, a traditional teacher for technique could necessarily help you with because then it's more mental. They could, they could, um, but they might not necessarily be able to do that. Um, there was a fourth one that came to mind and it has instantly gone out again. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. So, you know, and you talk about people moving from teacher to teacher. And sometimes I wonder, you know, I'm going to come to you for help, but I don't like the solutions that you're offering, right? I'm not willing to accept the direction that you're providing. That's I'm going to go, gonna go find somebody that... solutions. Yeah, but you see where I'm coming from? It's like people, they, they want to hear what, only what they want to hear, right? So they're going to seek out somebody who's going to validate everything that they're doing you know yeah. now i don't know i'm sure that exists out there but mm -hmm. the, um it, i'm just curious you know i mean is it, because they're coming to you voluntarily mm -hmm. it's not like you can say you know i'm gonna have to insist i'm gonna have to write a prescription i'm gonna insist that you stay with me until we you know we get through this mm -hmm. but uh, can you tell when people are kind of throwing up a barrier to what you're you're offering yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is that as a coach, I don't offer solutions, you know, usually through the questioning and sometimes reflecting back things that the client or whoever it might be has said to you. Sometimes I think we, we don't realize the language we use and we, we speak automatically, but having someone as a coach, you know, hold a mirror up to that and reflect that back to you or ask those questions. It enables you to come to the solutions that are right for you. I can't provide solutions because you know your life and your situation a lot better than I do, you know? So what's the solutions that are right for me might not be right 
for you and probably wouldn't work. So as a coach, I don't offer solutions because you're right. You could come back and say, well, this didn't work and this didn't work and this didn't work. But if you come up with the solutions yourself, A, you're more likely to carry them out and B, they are more likely to work for you because you are the one that has come up with them. You know, so I don't provide solutions mainly for, for that reason. That's not the role as a, a coach. As a mentor, it may well be that a mentor would provide advice and provide solutions. But as a coach, it's different. The client provides the solution for themselves. The coach just facilitates that. This is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options, Eastman Winds and SE Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner, Hammond Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. And now, back to the interview. Therapy can, <clears throat> can sometimes have stigma attached to it. Do you find that at all with somebody who's thinking about a life coach? Is there a stigma attached to that? Um, I think there can be, but I think it largely stems from not understanding what the role of a coach is. And it's not talking about past trauma and it's not processing events that went on in the past necessarily. There might be an overlap, but it's not therapy in that sense. Um, somebody would come to a coach if they've already been through that, that processing period so that they are able to then move forwards. So I don't find that there is a stigma as such, but I do find that there is still, certainly within the UK, because um, obviously coaching came from the States to the UK, I do still find that there is a lack of understanding about what a coach, um, whether it's a life coach or a performance coach, what a coach can actually offer that is different. I do actually, having said that, I do find that there is still a reluctance, certainly among musicians, although I believe that is now changing. You know, there's a reluctance for people to want to talk about themselves. And I think sometimes it's a, uh, you know that they think that they are going to uncover some deep dark secrets and you know something about themselves that they really don't like and yeah i think that can provide resistance definitely and i think there's resistance to change as well i think people that are resistant to change they don't they've they're comfortable in their discomforts if that makes sense, because it's familiar. <clears throat> People like the familiar and they dislike change. So even if the change ultimately could bring about benefits, I think initially there is resistance to change because they don't know what's going to be brought up. But it's not like I'm there to drag skeletons out of a closet or, or anything like that. I'm just there to facilitate insights and help you provide your own answers and your own, you know, hold, you know, I'm there to help you understand yourself better. Change is painful, right? But change usually change. results in growth. But exactly. because we know that change is painful, right? That's, I think that's where that reluctance, that's where that, that resistance, that fight might come in to, mm -hmm. I, I am going to stay with what's comfortable. It's what I know. 
and it's safe here even yeah. if even if it's you know either destructive or even if it's just you know status quo it's going to remain status quo and it's not a, a bad situation but okay so i'm thinking it's not necessarily that people find a deficiency or you know they need help with performance anxiety uh what a, about musicians who are maybe trying to find a new path right yeah or a completely different path? Well, I don't know. I think any path, I mean, if you're truly an artist at heart, I think you're going to be an artist in whatever you do, right? You're mm -hmm. going to bring that to whatever you work in. Absolutely. So, yeah, I would just say a new path because you're a musician, you're an artist, I think, at heart, right? <laughs> but that's exactly what you're carrying into being a life coach, right? So you've now you're, you're maybe talking with people who are like, you know, I... I'm not happy with, uh, or not content with where I am. I would like to find a new, can you help steer them towards uh, maybe finding what their real interests are, where they can Absolutely. best explore, right? And, and I know there are all kinds of tests out there that, you know, the personality test that kind of helps steer mm -hmm. you uh, what's the uh, Briggs? Um, yeah, Myers Briggs. That's Myers Briggs. A, thank a you. One. Yeah. Right, and there are many like that 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 kind of help you figure out, you know, because your personality is X Y Z X Y Z. You know, you would be better suited here, here, here. Do you use any kinds of tools like that to help? No, I don't personally. I mean, I think they are good, and I think they have their place. Uh, but I'm not Myers-Briggs trained, so even though I have an understanding of the, the different types, I wouldn't, in my skill set, I wouldn't feel comfortable really guiding someone through that type. I mean, people are very free to go and, and do the tests themselves, and I think that provides a lot of insight. But the way I would work is, again, just through questioning the client, looking at values, looking at what's important to them. Sometimes it's even going back to what people enjoyed doing when they were a lot younger. And I think through looking at values and what's important to someone, it might be that they realize that certain paths are open to them, but they can still get enjoyment somewhere else. I mean, there's so many ways that you can you can look at career change and i think with musicians especially it's a really important and i think it can be a difficult step because music is tied into our identity so much because it's something that we have done from a, a very very young age and i think it's people find they feel like it's going to be a loss and they're almost approaching mm. it like a grieving process, almost like that they're having to almost lose a part of themselves to find something mm -hmm. else. But it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I think sometimes it's just reframing our perception of a situation as well as exploring different options, different avenues and looking at things like that. I think it is reframing our perception of how we view events and also what that what that perception means we believe about ourselves and sometimes through looking at those and examining those beliefs and the evidence for them or not as the case may be that you know it, it can sometimes enable you to look at it and, and see it then with new eyes now that you know the underlying assumptions you've been making through your perception you know sometimes it's you know, we look at situations with a number of different glasses on 
a number of different filters or lenses. And the coaching process helps us to remove those various lenses and filters so that we can actually see really what's, what the situation is, what's at the heart of it, mm -hmm. so that we can then move forward and set goals that are more in line with the vision that we want for our lives, whether or not, you know, that includes music. But I think certainly in the UK, um, something came out a few weeks ago about, and I don't know if you had reports of this in the state, about the arts certainly being included in um, careers that were no longer viable. Did you get that? No. I don't know if you did. No. Yeah, and so um, I can't remember the report that came out, you know, events and all these kinds of things. They were not viable careers. Um, and so musicians and artists and, you know, people in the creative sphere that have been affected by COVID were advised to retrain, apparently. So obviously then, for all those self-employed musicians out there, that's going to be a big hit on identity because if music isn't a viable profession in inverted commas, well, that means we're not viable as people, doesn't it? You know, and I'm not saying that's the case, but then that could easily be the assumption that is made from it. Well, yeah, you can question your own worth, your own value. But what, but what my immediate reaction to that is, it makes me mad yeah. because how can you not consider the, the people that are making these decisions? How can you not realize the, the value and significance of arts to humanity, to our culture? I mean, without it, well, we wouldn't want to be without it, but they're, they're essentially saying it's of no real value mm -hmm. anywhere. I, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of putting a blanket uh, cover on it, but yeah, that just, that makes me mad. But, you know, it, we, I guess we could look at it here. Sometimes they say, well, only uh, essential businesses, essential businesses can reopen. Well, they don't include music studios and recording studios and, no. uh, and other arts organizations. They don't consider those essential. So I guess we're already are, we already are experiencing that here, even though nobody has actually formally said that yeah. your, your career field is not viable. That's, yeah. that's mad. That's maddening. Um, so um, you've witnessed success in some of your clients. I mean, is that, what does that feel like when you see somebody make a breakthrough in something? Oh, it's, it's great to witness that breakthrough in a session, even if it's something, it's not say a big lofty goal that they've achieved. It's just that little realization. Sometimes that can be the key that unlocks the other things and then all the puzzles start, all the puzzle pieces start falling into place. It's like teaching, isn't it? When you see a pupil that's working at something and maybe, you know, they haven't got it straight away. You know, they've been working at it for a while or they don't get a, a concept. And then suddenly, you know, the penny drops and they get it and you see like the, the light behind their eyes go on. It's that same feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get the same feeling working with clients as when I've been teaching. And it's, you know, you're there to facilitate somebody else's learning as a teacher. And it's the same mm -hmm. kind of idea as a coach as, there, as well. You're there to facilitate somebody else's learning about themselves. And it's, yeah, exactly the same experience. And it's, it's great to see because you're a part of that and you're there to help somebody else. You know, and that, I think that's why 
I really do like the coaching process and working with people in this kind of way because, you know, I do, I like people. Ultimately, I like people. I like talking to people. I like helping them. And it is, you know, an act of, an act of service. I don't know if but, that sounds really cheesy, but it is. Oh, but you know what? Uh, there's nothing wrong with cheesy, well, right? Uh, <laughs> but no, but you know, I don't think, yes, you look at it as an act of service, but I look mm. at it as, you know, this, this was born into you. Uh, this was born into me. It was born into everyone, I think, early on. And finding that path where we are the most effective in helping. Uh, you know, some people discover it early on. Some people, right, late. Mm -hmm. but And some people need the help of a life coach to get there. And some people yeah, discover some it people on their own. Them. Right. And But I think that's, uh, I think that's got to be the most exciting part is is those light bulb moments right when mm -hmm. it's this is it that's why you do your job those those little moments reinforce why we do what we do yeah yeah it yeah. really helps bring it back home definitely um, I, i'm sitting here now i'm thinking uh at the university of indianapolis of course there's a music education program there's now a music therapy program but uh, for the music educators, they quite often bring in, uh, you know, a special guest to speak to, to the class. You would be brilliant to I'd have. I love it. I really so, would love it. And of course, you know, it, with virtual everything these days, it would be easy to facilitate. So we just need to figure out, you know, what you would want to charge for that. But I'm, I'm going to pitch serious? it. Absolutely. Absolutely. To help from, you know, like performance psychology. So it could be anything from practice, not techniques as such, but like using mental imagery, whether it's to help with performance anxiety, all the way through to how do you handle rejection on a more life coach perspective. There is such scope, which is why A, I've done the coaching course that I did, which is brilliant, and B, why I'm now doing the Masters in Performance Science at the Royal College of Music, um, because their center is it's kind of, it's a leading center of research into this whole field you know performance psychology the health and well-being of musicians and music or um, yeah in education using these models in education I love it the next thing I want to do is I want to add a counseling qualification into my toolkit so that I can help clients more holistically because at the moment if there is something that's more say trauma related that's out of my skill sets so I'd have to refer somebody on but I prefer not to do that and prefer to do it all I was going to say in-house I'm not a company but if someone comes to me I want to be able to help them rather than say actually I think you need to see this person first so counseling's on my list next you're never going to stop are you well, but you go for the qualifications and I go for, uh, I, I love going to YouTube and just listening to maybe a piece of music I've known forever, but hearing somebody mm -hmm. else do it in a new way, right? I'm learning yes. interpretation or Absolutely. I still go to master classes, especially, you know, my former students or uh, teachers, if they happen to be in the area, I'll go because Dude. I'm not done learning, right? There's always more. And that's, Absolutely. and I see, I see how excited you just got over talking about, and I'm the same way, right? I just, if I felt like I was done, then I need to stop teaching because mm -hmm. if I'm done learning, that means, or if I think I'm done learning, that means I, I'm no longer qualified.
in, in my mind. I know what you mean. I think that's another sign as well. If somebody feels like, like you said about the status quo or status quo before, you know, someone feels like they have plateaued, you know, but they can't quite kickstart their growth again. You know, sometimes a coach can, can help through that too. But with the internet now, as you say, we've got so much exposure, whether it's YouTube or free courses with say the Open University or whatever it might be, we've got so much access to different learning platforms now. I think it's, it's fantastic. You know, and as you say, I don't want to stop learning because that's when things become stale and I don't want to ever let it become stale. You know, I want to. Yeah. So we're going to have to follow up on this because I, I want to make sure that I can get all the right information about you and what you do to the, the people who do the thing that I'm talking about at UND. And, but I seriously, this is, this is the kind of stuff people need to hear about because this is going to help them as they go out and become educators, right? They're going to know that, well, either they're, this resource is going to exist for themselves or they're going to be able to help their students and find life coaches. So I am very serious about that, you know, and I, how, how fun that would be to do that. Um, So, um, oh my gosh, it was really great to see you. I can't believe it's been four and a half years and yeah, we should let's, not leave it so long. Let's no, have another that, coffee chat soon. Yes, please. And I, you know what? I had coffee this morning, uh, but it wasn't the same. Right. So anyways. Um, well, let me know I, when you're free again and we'll, we'll do this again. Well, that's where my interview with Claire ends, but there is more to be heard. I've excerpted a significant portion of this interview and that is available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out how to become one of those patrons and how to receive other benefits by going to patreon.com slash studio HFL. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music LLC and has been supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Wins, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful that you spent some time here today with me and my guest. Be sure to come back next week and also check out the Studio HFL webpage for the live events that are happening these days. Have a great day. See you next time.